Hello everyone, I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Uh, welcome, and thank you for uh, joining me on this uh, live episode on a Monday night, March the 1st. We are here to celebrate the fact that Rumble, which is just barely over a year old here, about 14 months as a podcast, and we have crossed an historic mark for us as a podcast. Tonight, we hit our 25 millionth download of Rumble with Michael Moore. And um, this is, we, we, we saw this coming in the last week or so, and we thought, wow, what we should have some kind of party. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, pandemic, COVID, no party. Um, so then we thought, well, why don't we have sort of a party with you uh, who uh, might be watching this or listening to this? We, that's the thing we've done differently is that we are we are you can see this episode. Uh, the podcast itself is an audio only podcast. Uh, we've had a couple of live things we've done, like on Facebook Live and then transported it into the podcast. But this is uh, this is really the first time where I think we're specifically doing the normal episode we would be doing for Tuesday, tomorrow, on Monday night. Um, but we decided to videotape this and not videotape it, but actually bring it to you live uh, here. And so you may be watching this on YouTube. You may be watching it on Facebook Live. You may be watching it on Twitter's uh, Periscope. Or you may just be listening to this uh, the old-timey way that we've done it for the first year. I'm a big believer in sound and audio and voice, and I wanted to do it this way. Um, we do put it up on on YouTube, but mostly it's just it's the audio version of the each episode of the podcast. Uh, so it's I just I love I love listening to people talk in their in their voice, in the rhythms and the beats and the the whatever part of their soul it's coming from or their heart or their head or their craziness, <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, and I think, I mean, those of us who make documentaries and whatever, too, we, we know how much better the film will be sometimes if we just listen, listen to what people are saying. And so when we decided to do this podcast, we thought, let's just, let's do this with sound. And so that's how it's it's been. So you can close your eyes and let your imagination create the pictures of what either maybe it's something I'm describing a story I'm telling or my guest my guests are telling a story it's good to exercise that uh, whatever that is in our brain and so that's what we've done you know we were told that we'd be lucky if we you know maybe uh, considering how many social media followers I have maybe we'll get a, a million downloads in this first year well, we got our first million downloads in like the first 17 days. So it was like, oh, wow. Um, now what do we do? We have to really do this <laughs> now. So it just kept, seemed like every, I don't know, maybe every couple weeks, there'd be another million downloads. I'm grateful to all of you for having participated in this uh, for the last year. We did. We did sort of, a few days ago, think now maybe we shouldn't do this because um, 
we're not the kind of people that want to uh, brag about numbers, especially like really since for the last four years of the Trump era, it always seemed bad when anybody just started to describe a crowd size or an audience size or how many, uh, you know, how many digital downloads of your album there have been or how many people showed up to the movie. It just all seems Trumpian now. So we thought for three days ago, we thought, ah, let's not do this. Let's just, we'll just tell people it's, we hit 25 million and that's it. Um, but uh, then we thought, now nah, why don't we just, we'll do this. And then we don't have to do it again till we hit like 50 million. All right. Something like that. It's all kidding aside. The fact that I would live uh, to um, a time where I would be able to talk literally to millions of you like this, not through the auspices of any uh, overseer, no corporation, no executive controls anything that's said and done here. Complete freedom. I, I don't, I'm not even, I don't even have to pay rent to a studio because I was, we were going to go do this in a studio, rent a studio and do the podcast from there. And I thought, man, I got this like guest bedroom here, this, this uh, empty spare bedroom. Um, why don't we just make this a, a podcast studio? You know, all we have to do is um, put a map of the United States behind me. And then once I can turn this and I got, some bookshelves there with, I got my Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, tree ornament, I think there. And, and then there's on the second shelf is the 16 millimeter camera that I used to shoot my first film, Roger and me below that is that, I don't know if you can see that, that uh, it looks, there's multicolored fabric. That is, I won the, I won the top prize at the Tehran film festival in Iran. I wasn't there for it. But they voted. Uh, they voted it their, the best film, and they—that's the prize. You get a Persian rug if you win the Turin Film Festival. And then I think I have a Mrs. Maisel uh, bag, that pink thing down there, and I got some Polaroids of our guests who've been here before the pandemic in the in the uh, in the studio. And then um, my niece uh, Kelsey and uh, her husband uh, Joe. Uh, they live in Seattle and they came they flew here one week and they said, we'll, we'll, we'll help you build this podcast studio. And so that's, uh, that's what they did. And it's really, it's this, it's, uh, you know, if I can, I don't want to wreck the uh, thing here, but you know, we put some, uh, you know, stuff on the ceiling for acousticals or acoustical tiles. And then uh, over what do I have over there on the shelves there? I have a, oh, let me see that resistance row. That's a New York street sign we had made and put outside the Broadway theater where my play was Tom Morello and I illegally hung that on a New York City uh, uh, street pole. And what do I have over here? Um, oh, I have a, a thing that was given to me by this uh, Palestinian group. And, uh, and down there, I think we've got Dr. Fauci. He's next year's tree ornament. And, uh, you know, and then basically just a general mess because I live alone. <laughs> I do my best. So that's, this is the podcast room. That's it. That is literally it. Oh, that's uh, oh, my film, Canadian Bacon, the only fiction film I've done 
as a satire. That's uh, the Cannes Film Festival acknowledgement that we were put into the uh, program there, the official program back in 1995. Wow. Um, it was actually my second film after uh, Roger and me. And one of these days, I'm going to go back and do something with fiction instead of nonfiction. Um, so that's it. That is the tour of the Rumble uh, Studios. And tonight, uh, in order to uh, celebrate uh, the the uh, this uh, uh, auspicious occasion of the 25 millionth uh, download, um, we have with us a number of people who have appeared on uh, prior episodes of uh, of Rumble, and I asked them if they were free tonight, if they could just pop in uh, for uh, a little bit, say a few words, say hi, catch up with what they're doing. Uh, during this uh, pandemic, and maybe uh, talk for a few minutes on some things that are going on in the news today. Uh, so we have uh, some wonderful guests uh, that will be appearing in the next uh, two hours. I hope you uh, uh, stick around. Uh, my good friend Jeff Daniels, the actor, uh, will be uh, joining us. And uh, uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib uh, will also uh, be here. Uh, and uh, Katie Halper, I believe, is going to be here, and uh, um, and my old buddy from uh, Flint, uh, Sam Riddle, and uh, um, Anand uh, Girdadars uh, will also be with us. Uh, so, uh, and a few more that um, that I don't even probably know. We'll just see what happens. This is all live. Uh, it's 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 being run uh, by Basil, our executive producer, and the two Nicks, uh, Nick uh, Quaz, who is our our uh, editor uh, has, I think, edited just about every single episode uh, that uh, of this. I think Donald Donald Bornstein is with us. He's also he's edited a couple of episodes. Layla ep- uh, edited an episode, and um, I think that's really that's it. Uh, that's how we've gotten through the uh, the year. And then Nick Palm is with us here. He's with us here special today because uh, we're doing this on uh, Streamyard, and uh, so uh, we sort of just threw this together a couple hours ago. Hopefully uh, it'll go okay. If it doesn't go okay, it doesn't go okay. It's just it's just us, and I think we should just get started because we already have our first uh, guest in the green room. He is a rock and roll legend, uh, and it is uh, he was with us back on May Day, uh, May first last year. Uh, we were already in lockdown, and uh, we had one of my favorite episodes. It went. It went long, but it was so great. And I believe is it like number one or number two in terms of downloads of all my episodes. I think it's between him and De Niro. I'm trying trying to th- remember which. That's how much attention we don't really pay to things like this. But I know he's up there because uh, it's such a part. If you go back and listen to to it, I am of course talking about one of the founding members of, uh, and not only founding members, really the creative force. Uh, don't don't beat me up, rest of the band. Um, you know it's all good. Uh, but uh, boy, what where would we be without him when we think about the music over these decades? And he's still doing it. And and before the the lockdown, I went to the Barclay Center and saw uh, the, uh, his uh, tour, and it was mind blowing. And and I had seen the wall 
tour like years and years ago, but I hadn't, I had not seen him uh, solo and with his group. And it's, it was just, it was so amazing. And, um, and I was so lucky to get to know him. We went out to dinner and, and, uh, geez, I don't know what to, what it's not growing up in Flint. It's not anything you would ever expect to happen, but I am so honored to have him with me here, uh, on our podcast again here tonight on rumble, please welcome the great, the incredible Roger Waters, Roger, the party starts now, the party starts with you. Thank you for doing this on like no notice. Here's start the party's starting. I'm gonna have a sip of white wine. What do you oh. want to know? First of all, how are you doing? It's been interesting. The whole lockdown thing has been sort of fascinating. It's been good in many ways and it's been awful in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. friends and so on and so forth. I miss being able to embrace people quite a lot. Yeah. Not weird that one would miss that, but I do. Um however Having been in the same place since March the 12th or whenever it was last year, so that's just about a year, Yeah, uh, I've seen the grass grow in a more detailed way than I, than I have done before. But all this is I'm, – I'm sort of desperate to talk to you about what, what it's really meant to me, and I can't think of it because all I can think about is how they lie to us all day, every day, and how difficult it is to communicate with people, and how great it is that you've had 25 million downloads. Let's but, not waste our time because serious shit is going on, and I'm dying to hear what you have to say about it, and I'd love to talk to you about it. So what should we be reading or watching regarding what is going on right now in Syria? You should read, as far as this is concerned, you should read Aaron Mate from The Grey Zone, which is a very good, similar yes. to your podcast. Um, yes. It's a you know it's a website that is devoted entirely to digging out and rooting out the truth about what's going on in the world and presenting it to us in a way that is well written but that has enough detail that we can understand and then get to make up our own minds about what we think the reality is because without finding out what the reality is how can we possibly make political or social or any other decisions really about anything? right i've had i've had somebody on from the gray zone and it was a it was uh boy it was an exhilarating uh, conversation and you you keep thinking and i went and then read more on the gray zone why don't i know this why haven't we been told this? Why isn't this in the mainstream media? Yeah. And it's like, this is the old school kind of investigative journalism uh, that, you know, at least I grew up with and um, and is sorely missing these days. Um, Why aren't you mainstream media, Michael? You know, <laughs> well, were, I'm sure there were plenty of people back in the day, and I'm not singling out Flint because of the story but if you go out and you say hey listen the water in flint is shit you know people are dying this is a huge story and obviously you weren't the only person telling that story but you were a very important part of it and whatever and yet there will have been politicians out there and people as well with a vested interest of some kind or other who go he's a bit nutty you know he's Mm. a bit of a conspiracy theorist no Mm. he's not he's somebody who tells the truth about the health service or the or the water in Flint, Michigan, or blah, 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 big pharma or big oil, all the important things that go together to make the machine that is destroying the planet that we live in. I mean, I, I don't know how much you get invited to mainstream. I know how much I could do. 
Never. Never, ever, ever. And I'm not really complaining because most of it, I wouldn't want to dirty my hands, frankly, because they're not interested in yeah. what, what yeah. we're interested in and what your 25 million downloads are interested in as well. So yeah, I gave up I gave up worrying about that a long time ago, and I realized that, that I could and would have an audience of millions uh, just by doing what you said to do, just go out there, tell the truth right. and, and, and go to, go to the places you shouldn't be and, and go and do things that will make sure that you're not invited to the party. Uh, that, um, and, but, you and, are, but you are, well, well <laughs> this is it. This is the important part. This is right. But I, but let me, I, I, when you say that though, like say about the Flint water or whatever, there's a big part of me and I've, I think I might have said this sometime in the last year, and then I was told by friends and family, don't don't say this, but but it's true. It's how I feel inside that there's a part of me that feels like a bit of a failure in the sense that, yes, I beat the drum on what's happening to the people in Flint, and and that and Flint still gets the shit kicked out of it, and the misery doesn't stop. I try to warn people that we're being led to war on a lie. There will be no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And I'm booed off the stage at the Oscars on the fifth night of the war when I say that. Um, and they don't want to hear it. And I could just go down the rest of the films and things. And I, you'd have to ask just, you know, um, where's, where's the success of doing all this work for all these years? Now, having said that, I do get enough mail from people and I do have enough people on social media. I hear from the millions and it is millions over these, you know, 30 years uh, that are grateful for me telling them what's going on. Um, but it, um, it's, it's like, I think of, I don't, I'm, I hate, I, you know, I'm, if you like, well, you know me a little bit. I'm a nice guy. I'm not a pariah. I'm not somebody you need to worry about unless you are trying to fuck the people over. Then I guess you, you should worry, but it's, I'm not just talking about corporate types or wall street types running away from me. Uh, you know, we were down there doing this thing. I was on a panel with, uh, Elizabeth Warren and some other people and um, I tried to talk to her beforehand, and her people wouldn't let me uh, talk to her. This is Elizabeth Warren now, not some Republican right-winger. And then when the panel was over, I thought, well, I'm just going to go over there and say hi. And, you know, um, I put her in one of my early films back before anybody knew who she was. And I've known her a long time, but she decided at that point she was going to run for president. And, man, her people just, like, put this block, and they took her. They swept her off the stage in the opposite direction from where the exit was. And I'm thinking, wow. And I said to one of them, really? What are you worried about? She <laughs> just wanted to say hi. But it's that sort of thing. You know, it's that it's yeah. um, because of the work I've done, even people you think would be on my side or would want to just say hi. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a beloved figure amongst but Michael. Just, yeah. just, it's ripples in a pond, brother. 
That's the important thing. The important thing is that if you or I or any of the other people who have the faintest interest in human rights or the truth or anything sound, any sound ideas that might um, be efficacious for the human race, we drop our pebble into the pond and the ripples spread and they come to shore somewhere and they affect something. And it's, and it's, pebble by pebble by pebble by pebble by pebble because the forces that we are up against are hugely 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 powerful and they're very very good at propaganda so they're very very good at explaining to the great unwashed right or to our choir even trying to explain to our choir that you and I are pariahs, that, that we're crazy, we're conspiracy theorists, everything's fine, you're in really good safe hands, the Republicans and the, Republicans and the Democrats are wonderful people, they know about government, they're doing a great job right there, fuck you, no they're not, you know, <laughs> Your president, the new one, the new dotty one, just went and bombed Syria. Yes. What are you talking about? Why did you do that? This is the guy who won't get back to having an agreement with Iran about them stopping the program that they've reintroduced because you treated them so savagely under the last president. And, and, and can I just say with the Iranians, they actually have indicated that they would like to sit down. All they ask is that he remove not sanctions. his sanction, just the Trump sanctions. Yeah, just yeah. take away what Trump did to us. Yeah. And then we'll sit we'll sit down and and we'll yeah. come to some peaceful peaceful solution. And there's like the answer to that is oh no, 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 no. What why are we defending Trump's sanctions that never ever should have we were on the road to fixing a problem? And and Trump messed it up, so we, we have to now fix the mess that he made, and they shouldn't hesitate on the, at this moment at all. Can we know? not the T word, please? Yes, I know the former guy. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, whatever. It's called. You know, you have to you have to use the windshield wipers and get the muck off the windscreen, or you're never going to find the road. Yeah, the yeah. T word is muck on the windscreen. So is the word, I have to say. I'm not a big fan of the... I think about... Which word was that? The B word. The B B word. The current word. Yes. The current word, yeah. You know, it's just muck. And and it has to be now, but the question is, how many pebbles do you have to drop in which particular bit of the pond for enough ripples to reach in other places on, on all the beaches for the voice of the choir, which is you guys out there, you 25 million downloads along with all the rest of you. It's billions of people in the world are in this choir for your voice to join together in a cohesive way so that it becomes heard. Don't expect it to be heard by the T word or the B word. They are deaf to anything that has any love or reason in it. Your voice has to be heard by others who will join the choir. Right, and, and, and we can't wait uh, here. Uh, it's it, uh, the, the B word. <laughs> the current president needs to hear from us, the people. And, and if we don't like what's happening, uh, whether all of a sudden the $15 minimum wage is out the window or, uh, you, you know, the, they're thinking of not 
doing anything against the crown prince for his murder of a Washington Post columnist. It's like, okay, if we don't like this, we have, our voices have to be heard. I tell people, oh, no, no, give him a chance. No, it's not that we're not giving him a chance. He's not going anywhere. He's got the job for four years. Now we have to do our job as citizens to nudge him, to push him, to demand that he just do what he said he was going to do when he ran when he ran for president. Is that too much to ask? Are, are people upset to even hear you and I discussing that? I, I, I can't imagine why. Uh, well, I, actually, you're talking about it. I'm not discussing it. I think it's a complete waste of time, the idea of nudging Biden, frankly. I mean, maybe you and I differ. Well, well what should we do? Well, no, I think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to trying to bring in as many people as possible into integrating those in those pebbles well, and those ripples well okay that's fair enough that's what we should do we should be down the we should be down the pub talking to people in the public bar or we should be at meetings or we should be communicating like this through your podcast which right. that completely advocated but that what people are going to hear on your podcast is what you're saying but you may be right i i I would be the happiest man in whatever this is. You can call it Christendom if you want, or you can call it New York State. But I'm in New York State at the moment. I would be the happiest man in the world if I thought that I gather you've got Rashida on tonight. Fantastic, Tayyip. I will listen to her avidly, every word that comes out of her mouth. She's in Congress, you know, she's close. If, if, if the squad can make any impression upon Biden... You said the B word. All you right. have to put. You have to put a quarter. You have to put a quarter in the swear jar. I will be very, very happy. And and if something happens, you know, that that would be, um, that would be really good. But I'm not keeping my fingers crossed, and I'm going to still go on shouting my messages from the rooftops, and and uh, trying to promote this whole idea because it affects national internal politics just as much as it does foreign policy in the united states of america which is my platform i stand on the sacred sacred oath that we all took in 1948 in paris when we had the universal declaration of human rights i actually believe in human rights unlike joe biden who we know doesn't if he did he wouldn't be supporting israel if he believes in human rights he cannot support Israel because it's an apartheid state, which right. set you know the, the 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 needs of one set of people, i.e., Jewish people who are Israelis, against the needs of people who are Palestinian, who are Israelis or who are not, and that's called apartheid, and we disapprove of it. You know, well, we did in the 70s and 80s and 90s when there was a huge movement against apartheid in South Africa. And that movement was successful. So hopefully this one will be because it is growing and they can't stop pretending it's not there with the ridiculous new IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, which holds no water at all, as we know. Right. Yeah. Right. There are moves to, I bet the B word wants to adopt it as law in the United States so that he can lock people like me up in prisons for daring to criticize an apartheid regime. I don't since, know. You, since you were on last May, uh, those who are not afraid to discuss this issue of Israel and Palestine, the, um, there has been a, a, a larger movement that's been growing um, of people who say that the two state solution. 
no, it's too late. It's not going to work. And, and I'm talking about these are people on the left and people who support Palestinians believe that what what used to be expressed by certain Israeli politicians years and years ago, they didn't they didn't want a two state solution. And so now a lot of Palestinians, a lot of people on the left and and uh, left wing Israelis prefer the one state solution that there's one democracy. Everyone is a citizen. Everybody gets to vote. Hey, it, it, I, I know I shout and scream and whatever, but this is, it's not my country. So I stand on that. If, if there was one state between the Jordan River and the sea and every single citizen of that state had completely equal rights under a yes. universal law, yes. then I would, if my Palestinian friends went, actually, we don't want that. We want our own little country somewhere else. Because... I mean, they were screwed in 1948 and have been being screwed ever since. And even the amount of land that was left after the 67 war, and they were prepared to do a deal on the 67 borders, was only 22% of historical Palestine. 22%. 78% had gone. Now it's like 6%. Or so. I mean, it's so, I can't remember. Don't quote me on that, all you trolls out there. Because I don't know. I'm happy to put my hands up and say I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, they must decide. It's their country. It's not mine. But it sounds sensible that you lump it all together. You'll have to invent a new name, obviously. It can't be called Palestine, probably, though that might be the best name. And it certainly can't be called Israel. So you're going to have to think, why don't we call it the Holy Land, Okay. And everybody lives there together, and they all have equal rights. You cannot base rights upon your religion. It's insane. It's what they all complain about, about other places where religion has a stronghold on the populace. So right, right. Well, we've got um, Rashida standing by. I'm going to ask her about this uh, also. And... Um, but it, it uh, I, I admire your bravery in this. And, you know, when you were with us last May on Rumble, you told the story of how your father gave his life fighting fascism, fighting the Nazis, fighting the perpetrators of the Holocaust. And, and I believe, I'm trying to remember, either, either he, was, um, he was killed, he was shot down, whatever, while your mother, I think, was still pregnant with you am i do i have that right or yeah and by the way the anniversary of his death was two weeks ago he was killed on february the 18th in 1944 and the good people of apria just north west of anzio which was the battle that he was killed in of that bridge right. they have they have actually built a, a a memorial to my father in the in the yard of a of a preparatory school oh. that and I couldn't get there this year because, for obvious reasons, you, yes. I, could, I couldn't travel. But they were there, and, I, and my heart was there. So February the 18th is a very important day for me. Well, maybe you'll be able to go next year. Or... En revoir. Um, but I, I, just, I wanted to just, again, express my gratitude to your family oh. for fighting and, and standing for something. And I'm sure he'd be very proud of you for how you have, you are such a great humanitarian and you are uh, an activist in every sense of the word. Um, and you've taken huge risks in doing that. Um, uh, and I, I applaud you for that. 
this particular issue that we've just been discussing must be resolved. Um, I don't want my tax dollars going to this uh, and supporting any kind of oppression anywhere. And, um, and I know that there are many people, many people, Roger, who agree with what you're saying and what I'm saying here. Uh, this has to end. This well, just can't go on. Yeah, you're right, Michael. Sending American tax dollars to oppress people is actually very un-American in terms of how American people see themselves and see their constitution. And if you, if you read the constitution and you abide by it, you can't be doing that. However, you have been doing it for the last 200 years, remorselessly and relentlessly. So that's that's a hard hurdle to get over, is to get over the hurdle of American exceptionalism and yeah. to accept the fact that this is not Reagan's shining city on a hill, though all of those policies are like actually really reprehensible. It's very difficult for Americans to recognize that. But until they do, I don't think they're going to, um, they're going to persuade their government to um, change its foreign policy, stop bombing people in Syria, stop supporting, stop sending arms to um, Israel, stop blah, 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 stop, stop uh, having relations with uh, Mohammed bin Salman, you know, the cutter up of journalists in Istanbul and blah, 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 and stop behaving like good people, like a good person, like a good, honest person. Simple as that, instead of like a gangster. So we'll see. On va voir. Rashida, I have to say, I'm so glad you're doing this program. We sort of are brushing elbows or something or other. I'm so proud of you for being there. And I, re I read everything that you and the others in the squad say in the Congress. And I watch it with great interest. And you are gaining power. And I'm so happy to see that. Oh, thank no. you, Roger. Oh, good. Oh, there she is. <laughs> How are you? Thank you so much. That was very sweet. I don't know if they told you, but I was like, my grandmother in Palestine needs to meet Roger. <laughs> she yeah. would love you. She'd make well, you gain some weight, though. She'd, she'd really make you eat, though. I know she, she would try. Trust me. <laughs> so, thank you so much for speaking truth to power. I so appreciate that. Not at all. I think it's your turn. Yes. Yes, Roger. Thank you um, so much uh, for being a part of this uh, special episode, uh, and uh, and for being on earlier this year. Um, keep doing what you're doing. When this is over, when the pandemic is over, that great tour that you were working on that you told us about yeah. uh, last May is that. Yeah. Are you going to go back out and do that uh, when when we can yeah. safely do it? Yeah, it's cool. This is not a drill guys and uh yeah we had to cancel the one last july we've now cancelled the one that was supposed to start this september because it ain't gonna happen and we have a new start date for in 22 i think in the middle of the summer okay and, uh, i really i really hope that we can do that one because it's going to be important for for all of us that's yes. party that will be well you showed me a little bit of what you were working on and man i thought i can't wait for everybody to see this this is not a drill tour uh this is uh so let's uh let's get rid of this uh, uh um coronavirus uh, or contain it in the best way we can and, yeah. and get back to seeing each other and uh and listening to music with each other again uh roger waters 
my my deepest regards and uh, my gratitude. Thank uh, you for what you've done. Thank you. Before we bring out our next guest, I, I want to thank our underwriter for today's episode, IFC Films, and their incredible documentary film, MLK FBI. MLK FBI was directed by Sam Pollard, who is an Emmy-winning and Oscar-nominated filmmaker. His producing or directing credits include Four Little Girls, When the Levees Broke, A Requiem in Four Acts, and Slavery by Another Name, among other fine documentaries. But my friends, you have got to see this new film, MLK FBI. It's the first film to really uncover the extent of the FBI's surveillance and harassment of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Contrary to the whitewashed version of MLK that is celebrated today, this is the real story of our government's history of trying to quash dissent especially dissent by black Americans fighting for their liberation. You really can't appreciate the legacy of Dr. King until you see what he was actually up against. This documentary is a must-see. MLK FBI was an official selection of the Toronto, New York, and Telluride Film Festivals last year, and it was nominated for an International Documentary Award, uh, Cinema Eye Honors, two Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, as well as a much-deserved career achievement honor for Sam Pollard from the IDA and Doc NYC Festival in New York City. So I urge you, please watch this film now. It's available on demand and in theaters. Just go to mlkfbi.com to find out how you can watch this important film. And I'll have a link to it here, right here on my podcast uh, description page, and that'll take you to it. And finally, I want to thank IFC Films for supporting this podcast and supporting my voice and supporting the work of excellent filmmakers like Sam Pollard. I also want to thank another underwriter of today's episode, ExpressVPN. Now, many of you who are regular listeners already know all about ExpressVPN, and I can't stress enough the importance of protecting your online activity from big tech who track and spy and profit off of you. There's actually another reason, though, that many of my listeners here love using ExpressVPN. Netflix. You see, thousands of shows on Netflix are only available outside of the U.S., so you need to change your country if you want to access uh, these excellent films or shows. The ExpressVPN app lets you control which country you want Netflix to think you're in. Now, this is all, all legal, and it's a way for you to be able to see films from other places instead of just the U.S., which I encourage people to do. The ExpressVPN app lets you control which country you want Netflix to think that you're in. It lets you choose from over 90 different countries, so every time you run out of stuff to watch, you can just fire up the app on your laptop or smart TV, switch your country, and hit connect. Don't worry, you'll still be an American citizen. This just allows you 
to see the works of other artists from other countries. And once you refresh the page, you'll get a brand new selection of shows. It's really that simple. And here's the best part. It's not just for Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows or sports, other streaming services. I like using it to watch BBC iPlayer. It's free and only available in the UK. Why shouldn't we be able to watch this? So protect your data, stop paying full price for streaming services while only getting access to a fraction of their content. Visit expressvpn.com slash rumble right now and get three extra months of their service for free because you are a listener to rumble. This is what they're doing to support me and to support your ability to watch and have the freedom to watch whatever you want. That's expressvpn.com slash rumble expressvpn.com slash rumble just go there to learn more about this incredible way to be a citizen of the world hey michael what's up like you're going to be able to tell people that roger waters opened for you and interview and introduced you to and the he stage. Said my name really beautifully for someone that hasn't really like met me. I was like, wow, good, good <laughs> pronunciation there. Yes, but anybody who's being been paying attention to what you've been saying and doing um, about this last issue we were talking about, or any of a number of things, um, you know, oh so oh so many thanks to you, and uh, and I'm I, you know, it's got to feel good that that. Uh, the guy who gave us Pink Floyd <laughs> is paying serious attention to what you and Ilhan and uh, uh, Congresswoman Presley and and now the larger. Have you let the other ones in the squad yet, uh, Corey Bush? Oh, the squad is big. You're part of the squad. The squad is big. Well, you do not have to have the title of Congress member to be part of the squad. And I'm serious. If you're for equitable yeah. uh, equity and justice and, and just equality, you are for part of the squad, honestly. I know. I, yes. An extension of people like you, Michael, and so many others who, you know, are tired of the status quo and tired of things being done a certain way over and over again while people are still struggling, suffering. Uh, well, first of all, th- I yes, I wasn't going to reveal that I was already part of the squad. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we had all agreed that I was like an undercover uh, agent for the squad. Uh, and, and that we would, you know, now that now I'm, I've been outed, uh, I I'm willing to take up a new post, whatever you guys assign me uh, to do, but, uh, but, no, but seriously, can I just talk to you about a couple of things that happened today, um, in Washington, DC and I'm, um, uh, and, and, and can I start with the fact that I just happened to have the TV on and there was, I believe the Homeland security guy mm-hmm. saying that, um, we are going to, there's 600 missing kids that were stripped from their parents by the, by the Trump goon squad. And they, since Biden has taken office in these five, six weeks, they have found a hundred or so uh, of the parents and the kids to, to, to plan to reunite them. But there are still 500 that they don't know where the parents are, where the, the kids, the parents don't know where the kids, it's such a mess. And this guy from the Biden administration stood in front of the microphone and he said, um, we, 
have a moral responsibility to fix this. And therefore, our new position is that we are going to do everything we can to reunite the children and the parents, top priority. And then we will, to sort of, he didn't say it in these words, but to offer our apology and what we did to their family. That family that has been separated, the parents who are back in Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico or whatever, they are welcome back. This is what he said today. They are welcome back to the United States. If they want to live here with the child that we snatched from them, we will help. We will help with housing. We will help with work. We will help with everything to get on the path, the quick path, the easy pass lane to citizenship. Um, we will provide free health care. We will provide free mental health care. Everything we've done to damage you, we will spend money and we will be there and we will try to. I was like, I had tears in my eyes. I cannot, I've never heard a member of any government of ours uh, just immediately offer reparations for what was done in our name. And, there, and he's doing this before we even know how to even find the kids or the parents. Rashida. I, am I am I just am I too optimistic here, or did I just see something that could possibly be something great? Yes, possibly. I know one of the first things I thought is here, my country is going to apologize for something that is going to create trauma for generations among children and their families. Yeah. Um, that's not what they need as an apology. They need more than that. Uh, it's absolutely important to be optimistic, Michael, but also know this. Uh, I know. Uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has expressed to me directly uh, and others about the possibility that the Biden administration will keep, um, you know, what we call um, children uh, immigration detention centers, especially the one in uh, Florida, Homestead. There's rumors that they might be keeping that one open. And there has been stories of horrifying experiences for children there. You know, I think making sure that it never happens again, and that makes making that means making sure that places like Homestead, which are for-profit, you know, corporate-driven detention centers that make money off of separating children, making money off of detaining immigrant children, and so I hope that as we try to reunite these, you know, innocent children back with their families and provide the care and, and wraparound services they need, I also hope that we make sure to have zero tolerance, no open uh, possibility of this being repeated. And also to just like, you know, this conversation around, uh, you know, ending for-profit prisons, we wanna make sure that for-profit immigration detention centers are also completely closed and right. not again enabled by the current administration. By, because Biden said that there would be no more federal uh, dollars going in uh, to building private prisons, but they had to clarify that and say they're talking about the federal prison system. They he did he has not said that we won't use federal dollars to build these ICE prisons, uh, the the detainees prison. And, and until he's got to go all the way. Yeah, hopefully, but it's deeper than that because you know I used to be an immigration attorney, and I remember like Wayne County. Uh, in Michigan or other counties, Monroe County specifically, they actually made money and had contracts with the federal government. This was when, not a for-profit detention set, right? It was, it was Monroe County uh, facility. They actually made money housing immigrant immigrant detainees on behalf of the federal government. 
those contracts need to end. It's enough with this detention, the facilities where it's indefinite. I mean, we're talking about years of people sitting there not going before a judge. Uh, and this immigration system that everybody wants to continue to vilify my immigrant neighbors in Southwest Detroit and all throughout my district, or to try to blame them. No, it's the lack of action of Congress for 20 plus years. 20 plus years, I mean, Senator McCain, as well as Senator uh, Kennedy tried to work together on a comprehensive immigration reform bill, fell through. We haven't fixed our immigration system, Michael. And we've actually criminalized so many of our immigrant neighbors working extremely hard. Uh, again, they're raising their children with my children and they have no pathway. Uh, and, and some of them are actually married to US citizens. Uh, but because of these various, you know, really don't make any sense laws that they put in place to criminalize people that maybe have overstayed or a uh, number of other things that they've listed as some sort of criminal activity. But you and I, when we look at that, we're like, no, that's trying to survive. <laughs> that is, you know, and again, if they were really serious about it, Michael, and this is always controversial from a lot of my immigrant rights advocates, and I love them to death and they know that. But sometimes I'm like, you know what, if they're really serious and go after the people that make more, the most money off of the broken immigration system, the people mm -hmm. that employ many of my immigrant neighbors. So th with no worker protection, no, you know, poverty wages and so much more. I mean, the, the abuse that we see in some of these areas where immigrant neighbors are, it's just endless. And if we were really serious about it, then, you know, because I know my immigrant neighbors wouldn't be here. But for the fact that there are people at the border, maybe not physically like Henry Ford used to be come on in, come on in. And the government saying, yeah, come on in, but we're not going to give you rights. We're not going to, we're going to pretend you don't exist. We're going to let you live in under the shadows. And that's just wrong and immoral. Are you in DC or Detroit? Uh, no, DC. We're voting tonight. Yeah. What are you voting on? Well, we're a suspension of the rule to take up other bills. So it's a lot of rule uh, uh, votes. So it's called um, ordering the previous question. So this is like a step that you take to take up a bill. Oh, I love I love ordering the previous question. And if, if you ever need my help. The, the crazy thing. So I served in the legislature for six years and everything has its regular name. Amendment. Counter amendment. Um, you know, here they have these names. And I honestly, God, think, Michael, it is intentional so that the American people don't understand what we're doing. Like. You know, yes. so this is to take up the bill, right? Well, this is to take up, the, it's the rule to take up the rule that will then be the rules that apl applies to how we take up the bill. Like, it's just things like that. Yeah. I, really <laughs> <laughs> so you're, t you're tolerating this okay, though. I mean, uh, it's okay. I and mean, you find, I, you find the you humor. Know, I always you find tell the humor my team, don't use that kind of language when we're talking to our residents. It's just... You're, I don't ever want them to feel like they're disconnected from the work being here because I think honestly it's been structured in a way to to make people feel less connected to Congress. And right. I hope it changes. You know, the more people, organizers, social workers, and and regular folks get here, um, I think more and more people will will embrace. You know, they're already feeling connection now. You know, myself and others that are now running for office and winning and being here and just getting back and saying. Well, what did it just happen? We're straight shooters. We'll tell them they decided that we didn't deserve to $15 minimum wage increase, right? That's what we does right. straight up tell them. Let me ask you about that. Uh, yes, because I realize nobody back home in Detroit or Flint is preparing to call the question. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, they're, they are, they are, you know this. I don't obviously need to tell you this at all. They are desperately 
desperately yeah. hoping that that Congress will step in uh, to to save their very lives right now. And um, and the every time I heard somebody say, "What's the minimum wage got to do with COVID relief?" and I'm like, "I just I can't. I'm a nonviolent person, man. But I just wanted to put." <laughs> to choke some Republican. This is like, are you, this, the anger that they have toward people, working people. Tell me, what are we going to do now that this parliamentarian, this is the guy that runs around with the Robert's Rules of Orders book. Yeah, but Michael, let's not blame even the parliamentarian, okay? The parliamentarian did their job, which is advise and guide. Doesn't mean we, we follow them. There's no, nowhere that says that we can't overrule that decision and guidance. Uh, and they did it. They did it in the past a number of times. Guess for what? Yeah. Guess for what? Right. Tax breaks for the wealthy, for corporations. Uh, they yeah. did it a handful. I mean, if you right. look back, they've done it a, a number of times when there was a will, there was, you know, the support. Instead, you know, I just hope my colleagues, many of which, you know, many of us ran on, on increasing $15 minimum wage. I got arrested to fight for 15 I mean, this is something that is so critically important to my residents. I represent the third poorest congressional district in the country. I offer any of my colleagues, come to my district. Come to my district. If you think this is not COVID-related, understand this. If anything, COVID just told you we are past due has to in helping families. They just moved your timeline and they said, you got to do it now because the income inequality that we see in our country has led to more sick people, has led to people yes. not being able to take care of their families and their kids during a pandemic. If yes. anything, it is so interconnected to COVID. So whatever people want to try to gaslight the American people to believe it's not, it doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that we have power. The Democrats do. Vice President Harris can get up there as the president of the Senate and say, we're going to overrule you. We're going to move because the majority of people outside of Congress, outside of the Senate, outside of the House of Representatives wants us to increase the minimum wage to 15. And yeah. by the way, all of those out there, $15 minimum wage was the compromise. It should be $24. Exactly. $15. So I want to push back against any of these kinds of misleading or folks to believe it's not possible, absolutely possible. Just close your eyes and imagine they're wealthy corporations. Maybe then there will be a will. Well, we need you and the others now to lead. I know you're leading this fight and you're right. $15 an hour is not a living wage these days. I mean, maybe it is on in some rural area in Kansas or something, but, but the majority of this country lives in cities and suburbs and you cannot live on $15 an hour, but that's, so that was the compromise. You're right. And now where did that, it cannot die. Tell me it's not going to die. I mean, with today, you know, 22, I think of my colleagues and I signed a letter urging vice president Harris to stand with the people. Um, and, you know, we're asking her as her role as president of the Senate, she has authority um, uh, to basically be able to do that. And look, you know, people at home are not going to remember how it was done. They're going to just remember it was done and that we stood with them. Uh, the people's bailout is now. Uh, if the pandemic did anything, it exposed that we were we, we are far so late in getting um, our people taken care of in these poverty wages. I mean, we've been subsidizing it for so long. Michael, how many, how many more kids have to be hungry? How many more of our mothers have to struggle uh, for us to realize that 
there, this is the time, this is the, this is, there's urgency. So it's really important um, that we continue to move forward. Again, listen to the people back home. They're telling you do it. The people who are listening or watching us right now, what, uh, what should we tell them to do? What can they physically do to not let this minimum wage increase die? Uh, but because look, every poll shows that 75% of the people want this. The public wants it. You know, yes. it's incredibly bipartisan supported, like outside of Congress. The yes. bipartisan support is tremendous. Yes. The majority of people who self-identify as Republicans, they yes. want it. Absolutely. How, I mean, all of us, that's not... one thing this nation brings us together on is the income inequality. It has not left anyone out. Every that's single right. one of us have been, have been, you know, impacted negatively by it. But you know what you can do? You make yourself, you know, right now, Make yourself seen by government. And that means picking up the phone, emailing. I don't care if there's social media posts. They pay attention to those things, whatever it takes. And then you also humanize it. Talk about what it would mean to you in your life right now. Uh, and I think that's, what, again, really important. You know, my mom reminds me all the time, like the gallon of milk, how it's just <laughs> tripled in the cost right now. And she just can't imagine back then, even at that time, it was so expensive, but now it is, you know, close to, what is it? Is it $5, 6 I can't, yes. I always buy it. Half yeah. yeah. So it's just unbelievable uh, uh, that we're continuing to ask people to do, you know, to live with very little. It's just the right thing to do. And again, uh, I'm really tired. We've already gave enough subsidies to these corporations that are paying our people right. property wages. Right. Enough is enough. Right. It's time. So people listening, uh, and, and again, I'm sorry that I outed myself as a milk drinker. I knew that I knew the price of <laughs> a half gallon of milk. But um, my friends, uh, there is a number that you can dial the switchboard on Capitol Hill to speak to your representative or to speak to your senators. And that number is 202, and I'll put it right here on my podcast page, 202-224-3121. Call that number. If you don't know who your rep is, just the, a, a human's going to pick up the phone. It's an amazing thing. And and you just say, I, I, I don't know. Well, they'll ask you what your zip code is, and then they'll tell you, and they'll say, we'll put you through to representative. And if you don't want you, you, I get emails all the time through the website and and again, how do, they, but, how do I send an email to my member of Congress? What What's the standard address? Oh, I don't know if there's a standard address. I just know you can probably go to a search engine. Yeah. And because and a lot of people might be listening, don't know who their member of Congress is. That's very right. difficult. And that's okay. So you can say, who is my member of Congress? And this little app thing comes up this thing, and you can go put your address in and it'll tell you. Okay. And then right away, it will give you right direct access to their website. That's such a great idea for people to yeah. write an email and tell your story what the raise in the minimum wage would mean personally to you and your family. I think that's a, a very... A powerful thing to do. So, uh, so, so we shouldn't give up on this, right? I mean, the no. fight, the any, fight has to transformative change in our country from the civil rights act to being able to organize in the workplace didn't happen because there was all of a sudden a will in Congress. It was because of movement work on the streets. This is your time to really be seen and heard. This is your time to be knocking down these doors, not physically, not like January 6th. I mean, what I mean, because they'll right. take it out of context, no, Michael. I don't know. Uh, what I mean we know is, what you mean. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you do. But what I mean by that is, you know, contacting them again, they represent you, make it known. Um, and, you know, expose those that might not be supporting us. And I know people in West Virginia are doing that very, very well uh, in expressing themselves. They're like, look, I'm not a millionaire like you, and you represent me in the U.S. Senate. 
and I'm telling you, I'm suffering. I'm, you know, you have one of some of the poorest communities in West Virginia, and we're telling you to please stand with the people. And that's what you all can do. And that was that what I mean by knocking down the doors. I know you've got, you've got a, yes, you've got a vote. Uh, your aide just told me you've got a vote coming up here shortly. Yes. So, um, uh, it, um, just if you could, because I said, I told Roger that I'd ask you uh, your opinion on this. And I know it's, it's a long thing. It's, we don't have the time to get into the whole story of it. But, you know, what does need to happen now? You know, Netanyahu still in charge, still uh, calling all the wrong shots uh, to oppress the, the people who live uh, there. What, what can we as Americans do? What can Congress do? It's and 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 how do you feel about that issue I raised with him about the two state versus the uh, one state solution? Yeah, so you know, I think it's public knowledge that I support a one state because I I grew up in one of the most beautiful blackest cities in the country, in the city of Detroit, where separate but equal didn't didn't work in our history here, and I just I can't imagine. Um, how it work, uh, especially a small country as Israel and Palestine. So I, you know, one of the things I've been trying to do desperately is just put a human face to what it feels like to be Palestinian under occupation, um, not having access to water, to, you know, uh, be able to thrive economically. Um, the fact that my grandmother, I mean, she has a checkpoint sometimes in front of her house just to leave. It's a farmhouse with no houses next to it um it's just you know these are she's, folks a, she's a huge threat you know your grandmother <laughs> how, how old is she how old is she oh she's now they like we think 83 you know back then you were born in the house and you know we don't ever but we're we know that she's around 83 uh based yeah. on um, yeah but she is definitely um you know uh just hanging in there but she's also just she wants human dignity um, this is her, this is all she knows is her land in Palestine, the farming, the people. And it, it's, it's tra so traumatic, but also just unbelievably painful to feel less than in your own country. And they just, you know, many of the Palestinian family members I have there just want equality and they want to be seen. Um, and again, I, growing up, I think understanding what continues to happen to my black neighbors and knowing that that kind of oppression, you know, can won't lead to actual, you know, viability for everyone in the region. Everybody's impacted when we deny people access to opportunities, we deny people equality, everyone hurts. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I hope Israelis understand that when they continue to, you know, enhance and enable uh, someone like Netanyahu, who runs on anti-Arab rhetoric and violence towards Arabs. Uh, it's really painful to kind of see that and, and enable. Yeah. I mean, the racist rhetoric coming out of his administration is yeah. uh, it's hard to hear even for me at, all the way here in the United States. But just for him to say the things that he says, uh, again, making Palestinians as if they're less human uh, and it's wrong. And we shouldn't be funding that kind of you know rhetoric or those kinds of systems. Well, I want to thank you for the work that you continue to do. Thank you for being part of our 25 million downloads this year. Congratulations. That's really great. No, no, <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it's, uh, it means a lot that, uh, that you've, uh, you know, you and I go way back and I, I appreciate, uh, all anybody work, that uh, door knocks with me will always be my buddy. So you'll right. always be my, I'm never taking you again, but that's okay. You're yeah. definitely, uh, my, my, one of my BFFs. Yeah. So I appreciate yes. you. 
You're, you're not. Yes. The reason you can't take me is, is I, I slow things down, but uh, you do. <laughs> the, uh, people, people want to talk. People want to be in a movie. That's the problem. And uh, yeah, you but, bring a but, camera and that's, that's no, just it's, not it's, the, it's yeah. the end of yes. But, but nonetheless, uh, you're uh, keep doing what you're doing. Your Thank powerful, you. your powerful statements on the floor after January 6th. Um, Thank you. I saw what you wrote. I appreciate that. You're my friend. And um, to think that you um, uh, or Dan or any, I know, uh, uh, well, I'll just say, as I've said to you uh, from the beginning, uh, they're going to have to go through me to get to you. And <laughs> and I'm not that. the only, no, but I'm not, the, I don't have to worry about it because I'm, 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 what's the, what's the public enemy line? I am part of a nation of millions that back what you and thank the others you. are doing to make thank this a better world. So thank you for that. Thank you. And, Love, and respect, Michael. Thank you so much. You're not alone. Thank, thank you, you, Rashida. Thank you.